chorus I'm going to have left. When y'all sing good, I can't help but sing. So, whew, we could almost go home and be totally good. But I think we've got a word that I want to share with you. So turn with me to John chapter 3. <clears throat> We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15. And this is the encounter between Nicodemus and Jesus. Uh, and so John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And we're going to take a look at some questions Nicodemus has, some understanding he's not just quite getting. Um, he has pretty much everything ready. He's just missing some stuff, which reminded me of this last week. Uh, Carrie and I got to do kind of a quick run to Tennessee, if you can do a quick run to Tennessee. Uh, long story short, we moved her parents into a nicer retirement home facility. We had some of their stuff, so we loaded up the trailer, uh, headed out Wednesday, and that's a long drive. Tullahoma, south of Nashville, uh, got there, helped them move in Thursday, uh, drove back Friday, wish we had some more time, got to see family, but if you know me, I love a good road trip. I love a good, any trip, uh, road, air, bicycle, whatever. Um, so I kind of know what to pack up, and we had, we had the trailer, we had to pack everything up, everything was, was wrapped up gently and softly and triple and quadruple and whatever checks I carry to make sure, because we had like their hutch, their china hutch, their china, everything. So everything was packed in the trailer, it was all hitched up the night before, had our clothes set, ready to go, all the snacks ready, gassed up, like everything was ready to go. Right? And there was a particular time, I know she's watching, love you baby, um, <laughs> particular time I wanted to leave because it's a long drive and so that time came and went. Um, and then it was ready to go, Carrie's in the truck already, well I'm now the one that, that's late. Uh, and I'm looking around, do you know what I'm looking around for? The keys to my truck. <laughs> Everything was ready, packed, ready to go. Carrie was in the truck and I didn't have my keys. Uh, now, we're not going to go anywhere without my key. I wasn't about to rehitch and put it on the sequoia anyway. So, as we look at this story of Nicodemus, we're going to see that Nicodemus had everything. Uh, he was packed. He had all the theology down, all the scripture memorized and down. He understood the law. Like, he had everything ready to go, but he was missing a very important piece, uh, a key element. So, read with me John 3, verses 1 through 15. And it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came by Jesus to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, so Nicodemus still isn't getting it, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Now, at this point, I'm like, seriously, Nicodemus, are you not listening? Do 
Jesus is a little bit more patient than I am. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except me, who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So we have Nicodemus. Uh, and like I said, Nicodemus, if you were to have, have any Old Testament studies to do, uh, explanation of the law, like Nicodemus is the guy to go to. Um, he's part of the Sanhedrin, a scribe, a teacher of the law, uh, an important man. He's got intelligence. He's got influence in his position. Uh, he is an Old Testament scholar. And even Jesus calls him Israel's teacher, probably the top teacher uh, in Israel for all things, scripture, Old Testament, law, whatever. So here's Nicodemus, but he is missing something. And he knows that. I think that he wasn't just coming to, to be snarky, have this conversation, let me test Jesus. I think he was truly searching. And he came to get a better explanation, knowing that Jesus is important. He saw the signs. He knows that he is from God. Uh, and Jesus realizes who Nicodemus is. Uh, going back to the verse, uh, the end of chapter 2, Jesus says, for he himself knew that what was in man. He knew Nicodemus's heart. He knew how religious Nicodemus was. He realized that this religion, all that Nicodemus knew was worthless if he didn't understand what it meant to be born again. Didn't understand what it meant to have Christ as Savior and Lord. Uh, that all that he has accomplished, all that who Nicodemus is, what he's done, still is falling short of the glory of God. Um, has missed the mark. And he's not quite there because he's missing something. Uh, Nicodemus was... Uh, took the Ten Commandments to the letter, memorized probably more scripture than any of us combined. Uh, and so he knew of God. He knew all things written about God, uh, but was missing this piece of who Jesus is. And so Jesus throws in this curveball of saying, well, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, I'm so confused. Like, what does that mean? Uh, and so today we're going to look at what it means to be born again and then some, some elements that go with that. And to be born again, that word translated again actually means from above. Uh, so to be born from above. Now Nicodemus isn't quite getting that. And as we look at verse 3, the Greek word that Jesus uses for again is one that means to be born from above. Okay, But Nicodemus comes back in verse 4 saying, well, how can someone be born a second time or again from his mother's womb if you're old. So that first Greek word that Jesus used is from above, but it can also be used for or used as again or a second time. Nicodemus, that Greek word is used for just a second time. So how can someone be born a second time where Jesus said, no, this is from above. Uh, and so here's this element that Jesus is trying to explain to him that it's not a, phys a second physical birth, it's a spiritual birth uh, that you need. 
And we're going to see that word that Jesus uses in verse 31. Uh, he who comes from above, or chapter 3, verse 31, says, He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. Throughout this whole passage, we're going to see this disconnect that Nicodemus has with understanding that there's salvation that has to happen, more than just religion, more than just knowledge. There's salvation in Christ, and in that comes through the Holy Spirit, this rebirth in the power of the Holy Spirit that happens in someone's life. And so that's kind of the setting of where we are. <clears throat> so this first part of what, born, what being born again means or born from above, is first that it's not what you know, it's who you know. Uh, and so Nicodemus, like I said, knew a lot. He had everything down. He taught everything. Uh, he was able to equip those with the knowledge and the book knowledge of Scripture and of uh, who God is. But we can know, uh, or Jesus is trying to explain to him, look, it doesn't matter how much you know about God, it's that you know God. Okay, I can know a lot about Dak Prescott. If you know, don't know who Dak Prescott is, it's the quarterback for the Cowboys, all right? Um, I can Google search him, I can get his family history, where he went to school, what he got his degree in, uh, and his life, who his family is, all of his stats in the NFL. Like, I can know a lot about Dak Prescott, okay? But, and probably, I hope you can't find, can you really find people's addresses on, on the internet? Probably, all right? So I can know a lot about Dak Prescott. I could be a student of Dak Prescott. You could come to me and ask anything, and no, not right now, but you could, if I studied, you could come ask me anything about Dak Prescott. But, do you think I could show up this afternoon to his house and ring the doorbell and be like, Dak, it's Randy, what's happening? No, not even close, right? Because I don't know him. I know about him. I've done my research about him, but I don't know him. Here's Nicodemus that knows all the book knowledge of who God is, um, even who the Messiah is to come, but doesn't know God. Uh, doesn't know, knows something is about Jesus, that he is from God. But so there's that disconnect. Uh, there's that showing up to church, being faithful, studying your Sunday school lesson, going to Bible study, doing all this research, uh, digging deep into theology to know about God. But unless you know God, then you're missing out. You're missing out on the whole purpose. And that's what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus, there's this key, and it's called faith. Uh, and it's called going all in and having faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and believing that he is the Son of God. So there's this knowing that we can know a lot, but it's really who we know. Uh, we see that Nicodemus is completely missing the point that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life uh, that comes from our relationship with God and, and gives us access to God. So being born again also means new life. Uh, this life from above, this being born from above gives us new life. Uh, verses 4 through 8, we're, we're seeing that Nicodemus still isn't getting it. He goes for the literal birth. You know, how can an old man be born again of his mother? And Jesus is like, no, it's, it, it's that I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus, I'm sure, is aware of, of baptism and even all that John the Baptist did with his baptisms. Uh, and this, John's bap- John the Baptist's baptism was about repentance. I uh, remember he called out to come and repent, uh, to come and be baptized, know that you have sinned, know that, that you are not right, uh, and be baptized. And, and back in chapter 1 of John, verse 31 describes John the Baptist's baptisms. Uh, and it's for this purpose, I came baptizing with water. And here's a baptism of repentance where people came, turned away from their sin. But then as you go down a couple of more verses, here's where Jesus' baptism is different. Here's John the Baptist baptizes with water. Jesus' baptism is with the Holy Spirit in verse 33 of chapter 1. So this born-again new life that Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus happens in the Spirit. It happens with this transformation in our life, in our heart, uh, when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes and transforms our life. Uh, That is what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus. It's not anyone can come and repent of this sin. People know that they've done things wrong, and they show up to John the Baptist and say, yes, I need to get baptized, I need to repent, I've done some bad things. It's one thing to verbally say, yes, I repent. It's another thing to have a life change. Uh, We've talked about, I could have a statement of belief. Okay, the demons say that they believe. uh, But it's that step into faith, that step into believing God and believing Jesus Christ as the Son of God that this transformation happens. And so here's Jesus continuing to try to give Nicodemus this picture. Turn with me to Romans 6, 4. And this is this new life that we have in Christ Jesus, in our relationship with him. And this is a a scripture that we use for our baptisms during our our celebration of baptism. But Romans 6, 4 says this. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That is the new life. That is the the being born from above new life that we get is in the Holy Spirit, being obedient to Christ unto death and having access to the Father. Uh, So here is this life that we have in the Spirit uh, that gives us this transformed new life to be born again. And that is one of the greatest statements in all of Scripture, that you must be born again. Uh, That's the important piece the element that we need to understand who Christ is, uh, the key to all of this. And Jesus didn't say, look, you know, I suggest you being born, be born again or I might help you in your faith growth process to be born again. No, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again, you're going to be dead in your sin, dead in this life that is saturated with sin and overpowered by sin. It is only through Christ Jesus that we have life, that we have that eternal life by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus, uh, in the next couple of verses, talks about the wind. And I can imagine Nicodemus and Jesus, uh, in the evening, the wind comes, and Jesus was like, you know what, let me share this with you. Uh, this element of, of the power of win- the wind, because we don't know where the wind comes from. 
We don't know where it goes. We, we see the strength and the power of the wind, but we don't know what it, what, it, what it looks like and where it comes from. And so here Jesus uses the wind and uses this, this image of the wind comes wherever it wants to go. And here's this, this element or picture of the spirit. Because the word in the Greek is pneuma for wind in verse 8. Uh, but pneuma is also means the spirit of God. So here Jesus is using both of these to give this picture again of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the origin and destination of wind is unknown. Um, and this new life of one born of the spirit is not explainable. We can't comprehend it. It doesn't make sense to us in our sinful state. But here Jesus is continuing to explain the, the born in the, the spirit, uh, the, this born again new life in, this, in the spirit that we have, uh, that we, that transformation can only happen by God. It can't happen by anything that we do, anything that we understand, anything that we learn. It is through the Holy Spirit. And then being born again transforms us from knowing the facts to knowing the truth. Again, there's this back and forth between Nicodemus and Jesus. Um, the Jesus is like, how are you not getting this as a teacher of Israel? How are you not picking up on this? And that's so unfortunate that we have people, maybe even in this room, who are faithful attenders, who have studied, who know the things of God, but don't know God don't know Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord. Uh, and, and there's going to be a disconnect. Knowing that, actually turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14. Because it's clear, not everyone is going to be saved that hears the gospel. Not everyone, when you present the plan of salvation to someone, is going to be like, oh, I get it. You know, there's going to be some that, that aren't going to understand that aren't going to, to accept. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, says the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Uh, and so here's this picture of, of just the plain facts that not everyone is going to understand. But when we do get it, when we do enter into this new life through the Spirit, accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. Look at verse 12, so a couple of verses up. 1 Corinthians 2 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the word, world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. So here's the Holy Spirit at work again in our life, giving us understanding, helping us to understand our relationship with God. And then last and most important, and here's the key, is that being born again requires faith. Uh, it is all about Jesus. It is all about our, our step of faith from that statement of belief into a full-blown full uh, commitment in our faith to who Jesus is as our Lord and Savior. So the last couple of verses, verses 13 to 15, here now Jesus is setting us up for this reason why we can be born again, and specifically why Nicodemus can be born again. And he, it's because of what Jesus came to do. And he set that up with the authority that he has alone as a son of God who is descended from heaven and can ascend back up. 
that he has given us access because he is God to the Father by what he is going to do. Uh, and that act of sacrifice is on the cross. Uh, and so Jesus goes on in verse 15 or verse 14, bringing up this story and this reference to Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. So turn there with me. Here is this picture of the serpent on the pole. And here is this, this idea that it is only about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. And it is only our focus and looking to him for our salvation. So read with me Numbers 21, verses 4 through 9. It says, For Mount Hor they set up by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So here's this picture of Moses who had to, to deal with the Israelites who were just, they have, have gone against God and gone against, uh, rebelled against God. So here's this picture of sin, uh, that this rebellion against God, that, that they had to be punished. There wasn't any way that God was going to allow sin to, to, part, to be there and, and for them to be a part of that. So then it took grace, because God sent the fiery serpents as a punishment, and people were dying. But here's Moses who interceded for the people, and God provided a remedy. And here's this picture of grace, uh, that God provided a way out for a serpent uh, to be formed onto a stick, to be lifted up. And then Moses made this brass serpent, and any person who is bit by a serpent and about to die, all they had to do was look at the serpent on this stick and be healed. And so then we have this picture of faith, uh, this picture of faith through those who truly believe that they would be healed by looking at the serpent were going to be healed. And, and can you imagine, you know, whatever sick Moses had and, and put the serpent on, and more and more people were coming uh, to be healed, that he had to continue to lift it higher and higher. Uh, for everyone to see. And so here we have this picture of Jesus saying the Son of Man must be lifted up. Uh, here is a picture of Christ crucified, that he was lifted up on the cross. John 12, verses 32 through 34, let me read this to you. And this is Jesus speaking. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Uh, so here's this, this comparison of the serpent to Christ on the cross. They had to die on the cross. He had to be lifted up onto the cross for our sins to bear all of our sins because we needed a Savior. We needed forgiveness. And that only came through Christ and Christ alone. And then his glory doesn't stop there. 
John 12, 23, says, And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, we've seen Jesus talk about him being glorified this whole time, that was, especially through John. His death wasn't the end of his glory. His death was the beginning of the fulfillment of his glory. And on his, with his death on the cross comes absolute uh, forgiveness and grace and mercy that we can never explain and never get enough of because we will always get so much more than we deserve uh, through this act of Christ on the cross. And in his glory comes the true meaning of being lifted up is to exalt. Uh, so here is Christ crucified, lifted up, lifted high for all to see, for our eyes to be focused on him. For in our sin and in our death comes life when we look to him to be healed and look for him for, to, for forgiveness. And that's that piece that Nicodemus was missing. Uh, he knew all this book stuff, but it was the personal relationship, the salvation that comes through Christ and Christ alone that he needs. And we will see later on through John that, there's, that he, Nicodemus was getting some of this. Um, and that my prayer is that he understood grace more. He understood who Christ was a little bit more that night, uh, that his life was changed. And we have, through Christ, this forgiveness of sin. And I pray that there, if there is anyone here, if there's anyone listening online, who, yes, you know a lot about God, but there's not been this life transformation, uh, this new life this new birth that happens because of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, please come and talk to me or someone to be 100% sure that you are a Christian, that you have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior so that you understand the true picture, the key to all of this, all of this, all of why we're here, why we do the, uh, the work for, for Christ in, in our life and, and everywhere that we go is because of him and because of that important element of salvation and personal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. We're going to have a time of invitation in a moment when I pray. If you have not accepted Christ, if you have questions, um, now's the time to just pray. Uh, now's the time to come and seek the answers. Uh, from that, we're going to go into Lord's Supper. There's a glorious representation of all that Christ did for us on the cross with his shed blood uh, and his body that allowed us access to the Father, that allowed us to enter in, into a relationship with him, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. So pray with me as we go into our time of invitation. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity that we have had to just look at this picture of Nicodemus and the questions he has and all that he is seeking and searching for, uh, that, Father, the answer is right there in front of him, and that's Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, uh, that has not understood who Christ is as their Savior, uh, that they come to a saving knowledge of who he is. Father, forgive us in our sins. Forgive us and prepare our hearts uh, as we enter into invitation and enter into Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.